Welcome to Divorce Etc. hosted by us, the ex-experts. We're here to give you all kinds of information and tips on everything divorce. Plus, we're asking a lot of the questions that you may not even think of or know to ask, but we know because we've lived it, so we get it. We're Jessica and TH. So today we're so excited to have one of my absolute closest friends, uh, Jen Barcone, who is the chief talent officer at a nationwide marketing services firm, here to talk to us about getting back into the workforce or getting into the workforce if you are getting divorced and you haven't had a job in a long time or ever. Um, this is going to be a really important conversation for you to hear. Jen has also worked at a mix of large international corporations as well as some smaller startups. So she is the HR guru and has tons of advice and information and resources for anybody going through this stage right now. So thanks for being here, Jen. Thank you for having me. I'm so flattered. Hi, Jen. <laughs> hey, TH. Um, so start us off really, but just what is chief talent officer? Because I think people are used to like senior VP of human resources and kind of like dry titles like that. Yes. So chief talent officer is sort of the new vernacular for the artist formerly known as chief human resources officer. Uh, or senior VP of HR, any of the things and any of the titles that I've had in the past. Um, but really, it's it's evolved, and you know, certainly having a C-suite title indicates to the organization that the people function is just as important as finance or marketing or any of the other shared services that sit in a corporation. So, uh, you know, there's a bunch of companies that do it differently. You know, chief people officer that felt a little mother of dragons to me. So I went with talent because I believe that talent is what is what makes up the organization and everybody contributes uh, to the organization based on their own individual talent. So that's where we landed. I also think that talent, chief talent officer is more approachable. HR is scary. They're scary. They have rules. They know yeah. policies. They know everything. Everybody's secrets. Talent's like, hey, I'm a chief talent officer. Come and We talk. hope. We hope. We still have yeah. all the policies and rules, but we- I know, but it sounds friendlier. <laughs> we are doing a better job of being more friendly. That's for sure. So, so for people- Oh, go ahead, TH. So back in May, prior to May of 2020, I was producing large-scale events across the country. And of course, now in the world of COVID and pandemics, it's not so much about mass shootings and food poisoning. We have other issues that come into play with gathering tens of thousands of people together. So in putting my resume together, I was really having a hard time. You know, do I, what do I do? I'm an events person. So how do I pivot this? Online events? Do I not want events? It took like a while for me to kind of soul search and figure out what lane I want to be in. But how do you even, like, what's your advice for me even, you know, at that point in time, what, how do I even find direction? Well, I mean, the first thing I would say is that we're only eight or nine months into this, this situation, right? And everybody and every company and every organization is still figuring all of this out. So you're not alone in, in how do I pivot and how do I change the way that I've always operated. Uh, and I think my advice would be twofold. One is you definitely should explore whether there are ways to conduct your existing business uh, differently, virtually. And, and there are plenty of examples of online meetings, online events, I mean, just by way of example, just last month, my company organized our, our annual wellness fair. And typically that occurs in a large, large conference room with multiple booths from all of our wellness vendors, our health insurance company, 
myriad of, of, of vendors and providers who contribute to our company's wellness program. And luckily for me, my amazing team uh, found a virtual provider. And it was literally like you could walk into a conference lobby, you would see our company branding, and you could visit each of those booths virtually, and you could collect swag in your virtual bag, and then it would be mailed to your house. So there are really creative new ways of doing this. Mm -hmm. um, I also think, you know, two other things. One is, I do have to believe that this is somewhat uh, temporary, right? Like we're just starting now to hear about the light at the end of our tunnel with a vaccine. Like things are going to come back online. They will come back online differently, but I don't think that as you're considering how to evolve and, and, and change the way you operate that you have to do it permanently. Like I think it's about maybe changing temporarily until this, until we get through this. So I'm optimistic that, that you'll have the opportunity to get back to large scale in-person events, you know, sometime in the next year. Uh, but I'm no, I'm no scientist, but I'll, I'll listen to them <laughs> to guide that decision, but I'm optimistic. Um, the other thing I would say is, you know, I, I would peel back the layer on what you, what you did with, with large scale events, because underneath, underneath events is marketing and marketing can take a lot of forms. So I think, you know, you, you think about what you did and how you, you know, found vendors or coordinated, um, you know, resources for that. There are so many ways in which you could take what you did and apply it into a different environment that doesn't require large in-person gatherings. So yeah, one of the things that I will likely talk about as we continue this conversation is how to structure a resume and your LinkedIn profile and the traditional guidance of having it be 100% chronological does not need to apply. You can really structure your resume and your LinkedIn profile in a way where you highlight your key accomplishments regardless of when you performed them and lead with that. Because the truth is the resume, the LinkedIn profile, they get minimal airtime, right? Like a, a recruiter is gonna look at that for on average 20 seconds. Um, and so you wow. really want, yeah, you really want the, the headline to pop and, and you, wanna, you wanna be speaking what's most salient and important in that. So, I think, so tell I think us that. Really important. Go ahead. Yeah. Tell us more. I feel like anyone who is in the position of trying to get back into the workforce or trying to enter the workforce right now, like that's a huge, you know, piece of information that I think most people don't know. So totally explain that. Yes, I will. As soon as my husband is done grabbing his computer out from under mine, this is the <laughs> world of working from home hideousness that we're all enduring. I'm sorry about my earthquake computer. That's okay. <sighs> Um, okay, so in terms of structuring a resume and a LinkedIn profile, you know, typically, uh, traditionally, I should say, you would see things structured chronologically with your most recent experience first. And totally. sometimes that's not the most applicable to the job that you're actually seeking. Sometimes you've had a job, a few, a few jobs in the past that is more applicable. And I think that that's a really important piece of advice, which is you likely shouldn't just have one resume. You should likely have several that are tailored to the job that you are seeking. Um, and we could talk a little bit more about that. But I, I do think that there, unless your career is incredibly linear, like mine has been, where it's like, I've just been climbing my way to the top of the human resources function from absolutely day zero. Right. Uh, then it makes sense for me to list my roles chronologically. But if you've had some, um, some shifts or some changes in what you've done. I mean, I think my husband would be a really great example. You know, he started out in corporate law and then went into commercial real estate. And then the commercial real estate market had 
its challenges. And now all of a sudden, he's an executive recruiter in the real estate private equity space. So he's had some, some movement there. And I think what's really important is to think about the job that you want and what, what, what they are looking for, and then elevate that to the top of your resume. So what you'll see in a lot of instances is the top portion of the resume has the opportunity to include either highlights or um, mm-hmm. you know key accomplishments. Right. And I think that those are the areas where you, and then you can list all that information and down below can be a rather short and succinct chronological listing of what your job was and where you did it and for how long. But everything that you really want the recruiter to look at is at the top and in bullet format. Um, So for someone who, for example, hasn't worked in five years, 10 years or more, and, and we know as moms, we have a lot of transferable skills that are applicable to jobs based on our organization and our structure and like getting shit done and, you know, all of that, but it has been challenging for employers to really appreciate the parenting skills and the everyday life skills that actually can be applicable to jobs. So where, what are sort of the do's and don'ts of someone who actually hasn't been in the workforce for a little while? Yeah, I mean, I think that there's a difference between someone who hasn't been in the workforce for a while and someone who's never been in the workforce at all, yes. right? If you haven't let's been start in the with work- someone who has been and has been out for maybe five to 10 years. Right, right. So in that instance, I would absolutely use the structure that I just talked about, where you highlight your, your key accomplishments, your key career um, you know, successes at the top of the resume. From back in the day. From back in the day, from anything that you did. Um, and ideally, everything that you list on your resume should be, um, you know, either quantifiable or results-based, like speak to what you did that drove an outcome, as opposed to a bullet that says responsible for managing, blah, 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 blah. Well, you could have done a really shitty job at managing those people. So talk to me about where you had success and what your key accomplishments were. So, I mean, if I had my resume sitting in front of me, I would tell you, you know, my last job, which was a a high growth mode startup, you know, I talked a lot about helping scale the organization, growing the organization from 100 to 200 people, implementing the first, you know, human resources capital management system, you know, decreasing our benefit overhead, all the things by X percent. You know, I was really specific about what, what were the things that I personally drove and what were the successes that I had. So I think go back into your career, think about the things that you're most proud of, think of the things that you had direct responsibility and accountability for and highlight those at the top of the resume. Um, and, you know, so that's really, yeah, go on. Did you have a question? I was going to say, oh, sorry, go ahead, Teach. Um, so you're talking about quantifying it. So what if you can't? And how do you get help? How do you get help to figure all this out? Like all this stuff that you're saying is so great. And I have worked with a coach before, but if you're just coming back into this five, 10 years later, you almost feel like you're obsolete. Like you may as well have never worked, you know, technology and everything else. So does it really matter what your numbers were back then if you've been out for so long or it just shows that you're capable of being successful? Well, it's funny the way that you frame that, you know, you, you sort of, you, you talked about the insecurity that comes with trying to reenter the workforce after a long hiatus. And I think the one thing that I would say is that, I mean, I feel like I've built my entire career on fake it till I make it. 
So don't <laughs> underestimate the I power. I can vouch for that. <laughs> don't underestimate the power of confidence. And you know, if somebody is going into a job search feeling, um, you know, insecure or ill-prepared or any of those things, that's going to resonate. I think it's really important that you lead with confidence and and that, and that you approach not only your resume and your own history, like feeling good about what you've done. And Jessica, to your point about being a mom and all of the skills that that you know builds and 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 how many transferable skills there are in 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 running a, a household and and think about that. Think about how good you've been at that. And I'm not saying that you should sell that because I actually don't think that you should. I think that those those are things that aren't appealing to an employer. You got to remember, employers have their choice, even in a very tight labor market, which we were in prior to COVID, we are now not in. So uh, the, 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 sh the power sh has shifted back to the employer. You know, it used to be pre-COVID that we were in the lowest unemployment market in, in, a, in, the, in the short uh, history of, of our country. And employees had their pick. They really right. had the opportunity if they were strong to go out and get the job that they wanted because the, the race for talent was just really rough. Now that dynamic has shifted and, and it, the employers are going to want very linear and transferable skills. So I'm not, I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. It's, it's a tough time to be out there without recent work history, but I'm not saying it's impossible by any stretch of the imagination. The but one you're thing saying, that is, go ahead. No, I was going to say the one thing that's working to to this advantage is, uh, you know, there's been a, a much renewed and important focus on diversity in the workplace. And when we talk about diversity at my organization, you know, people typically think of diversity as issues surrounding race or ethnicity. And th those are the biggest issues for sure. Uh, but as we know, gender is a big one as well. And, you know, diversity comes in a lot of shapes. And we have an employee resource group at my company that is geared specifically towards moms. And that's a different kind of diversity, working parents, I should say. Um, so companies want people who have a diversity of thought, a diversity of perspective, and having been out of the workforce for a little while, having raised children, continuing to raise children. I mean, there are studies that show that working parents are some of the most effective and efficient workers that we have right? We all know we get more right, done. Right. Hallelujah to that. More to do. Exactly. That. Um, and and I, I would be remiss if I didn't say that it will work to your advantage if you land in an interview with someone like me who totally gets it, right? Like I love hiring working parents because I, I get how efficient they can be and how, quite frankly, organizations want um, some mature talent, people who aren't coming to work to drive their entire life. You know, working parents are people who go home to their life as opposed to coming to work for their life. The younger workforce is finding a lot of their social existence and a, a lot of their life at the workplace. And that brings its own challenges too. Wow, so that's, that's interesting, but true, don't yeah. underestimate, you know, the strength of hiring a grown-up. What do you think are some of the biggest mistakes that people could be making if they've been out of the workforce, they're getting divorced, or they just got divorced, they have to get back in, they need to make a living support now themselves, potentially their families. Um, what should they not be doing? I think one thing they should not be doing is 
certainly if you worked in the past, you know, I know plenty of women who had some pretty high power jobs, you know, corporate attorneys or marketing executives who left the workforce when they decided to have kids, which is a perfectly fabulous decision that I sort of wished I could have made. Um, but going back and thinking that you're going to land right in the same spot as you mm. left, I think not expecting that you're going to come back in completely laterally, being willing to take a little bit of a step back. I mean, there's something, there's a reason why we have that saying, getting your foot in the door, especially in a labor market like this, being willing to, to take a, a more mid-level role um, and not thinking to yourself that just because you're older means that you're, they're not going to want you. I mean, again, that back to my comment about having confidence, you know, you, if they're going to be able to get you at a little bit of a bargain, I think there's something compelling about that. So that's so interesting though, to think, I think that probably myself and most people I know, if you've had kind of high powered careers at a certain point, I literally, if I was going to go back into TV, I, I would expect to step back in as a senior producer running a show. And so and you may not. And by the way, if I could name the single thing that gets in the way of most people having success in their career, and this manifests in every capacity, happens to manifest here too, it's ego. Don't wow. let your ego get in the way of, of, of getting your job. Because if you're great and you have talents and you're confident in them, it won't be long before they recognize that and you'll have growth. And it may take some time, mm -hmm. but I mean, I don't, I can't think of a single person who left the workforce when they had their family and didn't think that when, when, and if they went back, that it would be like, oh, I'm back. That's you right. Know, like, it's just that easy. I'm so back. now's, right. So now's the time to sort of, you know, recognize that decision. Well, also, um, I guess I've been through like a few different careers now that, now that we're having this conversation, I'm very aware of it. That career where I was producing events across the country, that was totally luck and confidence. I was, it was maybe two, maybe two years after I separated, I worked for a startup just because I liked the name of it and I was internet savvy. So all my skills from being a marketing consultant and working in marketing research and working for a consulting firm translated differently to this little startup here. And then um, the startup was going to go away. So she was pitching her list to this big media company, big for Northern New Jersey. He took over most of Northern New Jersey. As it turns out, we went to high school together and my name is TH. So there aren't many THs out there. Right, right, right. So we connected. And even though I applied for the traditional marketing job, sales, I didn't really want, he came to me and said, how about starting an events division? I was like, well, I'm a mom of three. I can definitely juggle shit around. I produce great parties. I could do it. And I'm creative in marketing. So what you were saying, like taking your core skills and applying them in a different way. So I never thought I was going to produce, you know, events. I was doing like 28 a year in all different categories, but I loved it. So I think something that we really need to address is if you're starting out again or first starting out, it's always better to find something that interests you and totally. that you like. I think you'll be so much more successful because I created something that didn't even exist and I don't have skills for event production going into that. He took a chance on me and I was cheap as hell. There but I was recently divorced. 
the, the, the uh, consulting firm I work for completely um, fell apart and it was a global company. And so I had nothing to lose and he yeah. had nothing to lose because I was cheap. But then it was hard to fight to get, okay, I've been here. I've, you know, look at all this extra revenue I brought in. I deserve more. Right. Yeah, that's a whole other podcast. I think about I deserve more. And I'm actually, not- that is a really good podcast to have about yeah. where you are, because now you might be in a position where you really need to be making more and you're undervaluing yourself in the office. And how do you go in and approach like this that's is right. a contribution. For yourself. But, sure. it, but it got me in the door and then I could negotiate based on my proven performance because that's you were right. also saying, Jen, at the beginning, you know, show your results. I didn't really have results. I worked for a bunch of consulting firms. No, you did. You, you know, just didn't know I how just, to articulate that. I didn't, right. I didn't know right. how to put a number or a percentage behind it, but I went in and I sold myself and I sold my ideas and he liked it. So I think definitely leading with confidence is like the, probably the number one critical thing you said here and going through a divorce is really a humbling experience yes, when I your confidence imagine. could be at an all time low. Mm-hmm. So really finding something that you love to do for no money could probably help you get money and get into (laughs) like look at jessica and i now right like i'm in between stuff and and you know jessica's got like a sidekick which has really worked out well for her but Uh, yeah uh, i you know this is like a brainchild from 12 years ago right right and And it was really about the our skill set works to make this happen so I, I mean, think the number things- of, I mean, there's a term for this, right? The mom, 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 or something. yeah, exactly. I mean, th- there is no denying the skills that we develop as mothers, as wives, as partners, as homemakers, like it's all there. Um, and the business, the businesses that have been born out of this that are now huge, um, multi-million dollar businesses. I mean, the yeah. one that comes to mind is the home edit. I mean, these are just two women who love to organize. Yeah. Now That's great. Great. Right. Thanks, Reese Witherspoon. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So um, this all, I think this whole conversation has been so great. I honestly, I feel like I have so many more questions. This conversation, we have to have you back and continue this because there's so much more to discuss. But in the meantime, like, do you have any, like a couple of references for people who really want to f- go someplace, look online, like get, you know, the information that you're talking about and, um, and be able to really start looking, where would you suggest? Ground zero is LinkedIn. Like you have to have a really strong LinkedIn profile. Uh, and the, the second piece of advice, I mean, TH, you just spoke about it a second ago, is, is relationships. And sometimes those come from your distant past and that you don't even know. But you know, LinkedIn has a feature where you can, based on who you're a first degree connection with, you can then sort of mine their connections and see who they're, so if you see a job that's posted at a company that you're interested in and you don't have any real connections into that business, go onto LinkedIn. And again, this is about building your network on LinkedIn. The more connections you have, the more likely you are to be a second or third degree connection to the person who's the decision maker at the company you want. So go ahead, go deep into LinkedIn. I mean, listen, I, I, I would be remiss if I said that I was great at it, but like sharing content on LinkedIn, it's like any other social media site. Like the more active you are there, the more traction you'll get. Um, I think if, if an interesting idea is if you're a person who's returning to the workforce or starting new in the workforce, finding articles about people who are valuable from that background. 
and posting them to your LinkedIn profile. Um, none of this is a, a surefire way that you're going to get the job if you do all these things that I'm telling you, but LinkedIn is really where everything starts these days. So having a great profile, um, there are rules about your LinkedIn profile, like what actually garners attention versus what people just tend to swipe swipe right, I think is the thing. I haven't, I haven't been on any of the dating sites, so I don't know <laughs> swipe right or swipe left. Um, but anyway, I, I think, you know, and they offer resources and there are plenty of consultants out there who have pivoted their businesses from solely uh, resume consulting to resume and LinkedIn profile. Because truthfully, I mean, these days I get the LinkedIn profile long before I get an actual resume. A resume is just a detailed description. LinkedIn is really, so when I talked about that 20 seconds that the recruiter spends, LinkedIn gives you that 20 seconds. LinkedIn also has great classes, tutorials. Right. So if you need to freshen up your skills, anything you don't know, don't even Google it. Just look it up on LinkedIn because there's That's a right. class for it. And I've taken a ton of them during this time in particular. Yeah. Um, but so, yeah, I think LinkedIn's a really great resource. We offer, we offer a service at my organization for, for different reasons, but just to prove how valuable LinkedIn is called Pimp My Profile where the recruiting team sits with our employees and helps them, you know, update their profile. And that's to generate content about our organization, which then drives people to our career site. So it's all, you know, it's all there. That's did you awesome. create that title? My head of recruiting did. <laughs> I love it. That's I really know, good, it's though. so good. I know, I they're so good. Profile. Totally. <laughs> right. Um, so, all right, well, thank you again so much. For anybody um, listening, check out LinkedIn. We're gonna have Jen back to answer um, a lot more questions about this whole returning to the workforce. So Jen, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Jen. Good luck, everybody. Thanks. Thanks so much for listening to Divorce Etc. with the X-Experts. We really hope this episode was helpful for you in getting information you need and feeling empowered to get through it. And always remember there are so many of us just like you. Now please hit the subscribe button so you always get new episodes and please rate and review us. You can also check out our website filled with free resources at xexperts.com. Follow us on social on Instagram and Facebook and send us an email to let us know your thoughts or any questions or topics you'd like us to talk about. See you next time.